1: coming to you live this morning from Houston, Texas at 9 a.m. Central Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free. And if you do that, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, or get reminders of upcoming shows. My call-in number is 347-945-5309. You can telephone or you can call using Skype. After you call, if you want me to open the line and let you speak on the show, then hit the number one. Otherwise, you can just listen to the show on your phone. If you want to talk, remember, hit number one. It's kind of like raising your hand in class. I also offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics and spirituality and the coming changes, the kinds of things we talk about here on this show. I've been sending this out for 11 years, and to sign up for that, you'll go to hotpinklotus.com, and I don't ever share email addresses with anyone. Today, we're going to be talking about past lives. And As some of you already know, I'm in the process of getting a book finalized. Right now, I'm reading the... Um, first actual hard copy of it and making some final editing changes before it goes public. And in so doing, I thought I would share some of that with you. And so, let me tell you first of all that um, it's going to be available on Lulu, that's L-U-L-U dot com, when it is available. It ought to be a couple more weeks, three or four more weeks. And um, you can either download to your uh, Kindle or you can o- order the uh, hard copy, in other words, paper. People are getting confused about, well, is it a real book? Yeah, it's a real book. You can get it, you know, the kind you hold in your hand made out of paper. So what are past lives anyway? Well, there's real, that's kind of a misnomer because there's no such thing as past, future, present. The actual reality is that um, it's all happening simultaneously. The only reason we perceive linear time is it's an illusion because we're on a spinning planet, which Einstein explained about 100 years ago, but we still have a hard time wrapping our heads around that. But the fact that they're simultaneous means that they can still be affected. In other words, if you go back while you're in a human form and um, understand what was really going on from a different perspective, you can heal certain things about that past life that are affecting you now and affecting you in all your other lifetimes because they're all intertwined. They're all interrelated and they all affect each other. So, I've been doing about, for 20 years, I've been doing past life readings, calling them past life readings simply because that's how everybody talks about it, and that started when I was given the Akashic Records in a dream, about 25 years ago maybe, and today I thought I'd share with you one of the past life readings from somebody that is included in the book, so I'm just going to allow the book to fall open wherever it wants to, and then I'm going to read to you from, here we go, Sally, This reading was done January the 5th, 2006. And the reason I do past life readings is so that people can heal things that, just like repressed memories from this lifetime, repressed memories from past lives can have effects on us that we're not aware of why certain patterns happen the way that they do or why we have certain feelings toward different people. So this is for Sally Hopkins. And I'm going to read to you from the book now. Sally is a relatively lively and happy, attractive, golden-haired young married woman with a preschool-aged daughter. She's come for a reading to learn more about her husband, Ted, and their daughter, Megan. She's also curious about any ties with an old boyfriend she inexplicably cannot get out of her head. His name is Mac. She is wondering about the context of their past lives together. This is primarily out of a kind of spiritual curiosity. She's really not having any problems except for the annoying tendency to think about Mac. I begin by explaining the reasons why I do past life readings and what Sally can expect to happen during the reading. I then begin the session. The way this is laid out, by the way, is that it's sort of like a movie script. I say... Lois, colon, and then say what I'm saying, and then the person's name um, to say what they're saying. So, Lois, I'm seeing you as a young man who's a member of a tribe we would call Arabs. These people were the precursors of the Bedouins, and this was hundreds of years ago. Your tribe lived in the desert, and they were nomadic. At some point, a different group of nomads, marauders actually, come into your camp and steal a vast quantity of your belongings and, most importantly, your food. You and another group of men return to camp to find that this has happened and give chase. Your husband in this lifetime and Mac are both among the men in the group. Your husband was a close friend of yours and a leader, and Mac was a cousin or some other close relative. He and you grew up together, having known each other since infancy. This group you were chasing came from far away. You followed them out of the desert and onto solid land. This rocky territory was quite alien to you as you were accustomed to the cushiony feeling of sand under the horse's hooves. The feeling of solid ground with huge rocks that did not move at all the way that sand moved around was totally alien to you and your cohorts and quite disorienting. It was almost like a sailor stepping onto dry land for the first time. The sensation of the hawk... The sensation of the solid, hard vibration suddenly began to shake you and the horses as their hooves hit solid, rocky ground. This sent shockwaves through your bodies. The odd sensation affected your ability to focus on your surroundings. You all felt like you were being beaten up. The horses did not like it either. The raiders you were chasing had superior weaponry and were accustomed to this terrain. They easily ambushed your group. You personally were gravely wounded, and the group knew you were going to die, and for that matter you knew as well. Lying there bleeding, you urged them to leave without you, as you knew that they would not survive if they tried to carry you in your wounded state. Everyone clearly understood that you were dying in either case, and so they did leave. Even though you knew that this was the right thing for them to do, you died feeling horribly abandoned and sobbing with an indescribably intense longing for your cousin, who is your ex-boyfriend, Mac, in this lifetime, to come back and get you. Your cousin was slightly older and had always protected you. Since you died with this horrible longing and feelings of abandonment, even though you knew it wasn't logical, you have this imprint on your soul where Mac is concerned. I would be quite surprised if you do not currently experience an illogical fear of abandonment and longing where he is concerned. Do you have any questions about this lifetime? Sally, no, but that totally explains how I feel about Mac. I feel like I cannot live without him. Lois, well, as you integrate this past life, now that you know about it, you will begin to see these feelings and fears about him begin to dissipate. Are you ready for me to continue to the next lifetime? Sally, yes. Lois, I am seeing a dazzling, glorious, and enormous field of flowers which extends for miles. You are blissfully walking along among these fragrant spikes of blossoms, eyes closed, inhaling this fragrance and reveling in the sun on your face. You're beaming and your face radiates peace and joy. These flowers are planted in curving rows and some of the plants come up as high as the middle of your chest. It is a daily experience of intense sensuality, the wind, the flowers, the sun, and the warm earth beneath your bare feet. When it comes time to harvest, you and your companions grab the stalks down by the earth and cut them off. Then you beat the top ends where the flowers are onto a tarp-like covering on the earth. You collect seeds like that. Or at different times of year in different fields, you might collect their oils or dry the flowers for use as herbs and medicinal applications. You would also create perfumes and lotions with the oils from the flowers and sell or trade these. There are several varieties of flowers in different fields, so you were surrounded by vibrant color and delicious smells. This was a very pleasant lifetime. You were all highly contented. This next scene takes everyone completely by surprise. One day along comes an army just out of the blue. Absolutely not expected. No one had heard they were advancing in your direction. No scouts from towns that had been conquered came to warn you. The only precursor was the vibration coming through the earth as they rhythmically marched toward you. They literally shook the earth as they approached. This was fearsome. If This was a vast army spread out as far as the eye could see to the horizon. They continued marching in your direction, and you were just stunned. Everyone was. You almost could not comprehend what was happening and just froze up. They just kept marching straight at you, though. They trampled the entire place. The enormous fields of flowers were smashed underfoot, releasing waves of fragrance as this massive army made their way across the land on their way to conquering the country where you lived. Your way of life was gone forever from that day forward. This army took up residence and completely took over, turning everyone you knew into slaves. Eventually, the smarter members of the population in an occupied country will befriend the conquerors, and so this is what you did. And in spite of yourself, you were drawn to one particular soldier. You fell for him, and the two of you became lovers, and there is a child produced of this union. Then your lover is called back to his uh, country, and you are left with the child. This man was younger than you by a few years, and you have this handsome male child as your only memory of your lover. You raise the child alone, and your neighbors are initially furious with you for having this child and lovingly raising him. Yet there are a lot of other women your age doing the same thing, and so eventually it becomes more accepted. But at first it was quite difficult. It becomes more accepted later on. You never saw this soldier again, and the child looked just like him, so you were constantly reminded. Living to be an old lady, you think about this soldier on a daily basis, but he is never able to return to you. He was killed in another military campaign not long after he left your side, but there was no way for you to know that, and you were left wondering. That soldier has reincarnated in this lifetime as your daughter. You have come together in this lifetime to have a very long, loving relationship, which you were unable to have in that prior lifetime. Now, this is important, Sally. There will come a time when Megan needs to travel, to leave and go far away, but you need to know that this time she will come back. It is very important that you know that. She needs to go a far distance from you and then come back. This is part of your soul agreement with her. You may... And when it happens, feel like you want to prevent her leaving, but it would be unwise. The guardians of the Akashic Records are saying that she simply must go away and come back. Just let her go. That experience, her coming back, will be very healing for you both. Do you have any questions? Sally shakes her head no, and then there's a long pause as I look for the next lifetime. (coughs) Now I see you rowing a tiny white rowboat on a calm turquoise sea. This sweet little boat was highly polished and had lovely wooden oars. Maybe it's big enough for three people, no more than that. I'm hearing clearly that you are off the west coast of Italy and you are from a fishing village. I see you dropping a string overboard with a hook and bait on the end. There are no nets. On board, and you eventually catch some little fish. You're about 11 years old, and this fishing expedition is only for amusement. You are alone out there and under strict orders not to go far from shore, and you do not. Yet, as you are relaxing on the water, casually dipping your fishing string into the sea, a large animal comes underneath the boat and knocks it over. You hit your head as the boat tips over, and you are unconscious just long enough to drown. And now I'm trying to understand why I'm seeing this lifetime. What is the point? And there is a long pause. Oh, I see. You needed to remember this so that you know that even though some unexpected things can happen suddenly like that, we cannot predict or control them. They are rare. So if you worry a lot that something is going to come like boom out of the clear sky and ruin everything completely without warning, this is why. The guardians of the Akashic Records want you to know that this was one of your prearranged possible checkout points in that lifetime. For every lifetime in the planning stages prior to reincarnation, each soul plans multiple checkout points where it can choose to honorably leave that lifetime depending upon how things are coming along. It is like a safety valve on a pressure cooker. Let me say that again. The checkout points are like a safety valve on a pressure cooker, a way to get out safely and without penalty to the soul. And so, in the childhood in Italy where you drowned, the soul had decided to go ahead and check out in that lifetime. There is no reason to fear sudden accidents since there was nothing you could have done to prevent it. On one level, you wanted it. Your soul checked out because of external circumstances which were about to unfold in the village where you lived. It was so severe, your soul did not think you could handle it. You were not strong enough, and it would have gone on through your teen years, and the soul wisely took you out of harm's way. Sally, is this just about me, or as a general rule, is this about my family, my worrying about them? Lois, generally worrying about everyone you love and yourself, because as you were passing over to the other side, just in the moment of death, you were thinking, gee, this could happen to anybody. Sudden, deadly accidents can happen, can happen to anyone. I was powerless to prevent this. And the fear from that was imprinted at the soul level. Sally. So it was just too hard and I decided to leave. Lois. <coughs> at the pre-birth stage, when you're planning, you set this event up as a possible soul lesson. There was an event that was about to occur in your village and continue for about eight years. But when the soul took stock of the situation at this designated checkout point, it said, oh, no, this kid just cannot take it. I am out of here. It would have taken too many lifetimes to heal that trauma due to the spiritual scar you would have incurred had you lived through the horror that was about to unfold in your village. And then the fishing accident occurred, and you just got bonked on the head, and boom, you were gone. Sally. She's laughing. Smiling, I pause to view the next life. Okay, yes, I'm willing to go here. This is a future life, and I usually do not want to go there, but I'm giving my permission to see this one. The guardians are asking if I am willing. Future lives are not as cast in stone as the past ones, which sounds odd since they are all actually happening simultaneously. But anyway... I am seeing this one now. They are telling me you need to know about this so you can be prepared when it occurs, this incident. You are a female crew member on a spacecraft somewhere in deep space. There is an explosion, and you get to an escape pod, but before you get on, there is something on the ground in the loading dock near the pod. You think about grabbing it up, and a lot depends upon whether or not you pick this thing up. It is a lurid bright yellow color, and if it holds fluid, it would hold about a half a gallon. So when this happens, you only have a split second to make up your mind, but you must grab it. Do you understand? It is crucial that you do this. So please stop and grab that thing and take it with you. Otherwise, you will not make it. Something will fail in that pod, and you will need the yellow thing to generate heat. I feel the cold right now and my body feels almost frozen out among the stars. It is very, very cold. The next thing I see is that you are in the pod hurtling through space and the stars are a mind-boggling, magnificent sight. Looking at them puts you into an altered state of consciousness, feeling a piercing joy in your heart. The pod has a humming device and you will be directed to safety. The only thing that could prevent your making it back home is if you do not have that yellow device. It will prevent your freezing to death, and it is important for you to survive because you are carrying a baby whom your civilization needs desperately to be born. The future turning out correctly depends in a major way upon your having that baby, and you do not even know that you are pregnant when you get onto the pod. So do not hesitate. Grab that yellow device before you get into the pod, okay? Sally, okay, I will. Lois, I'm being told that this is all for today. This is all you need to know about at this time. I have not seen any lifetimes with your current husband, probably because you have no huge karma to balance with him. That relationship looks pretty safe and healthy. The guardians of the Akashic Records tell me what you most need to see at the time you come to me. And then I'm turning off the recorder. And these are from my notes after the after the session is over. After the reading, Sally wanted to know if dying in the desert from blood loss was the only lifetime she had with her friend Mac and the only one that caused the deep longing that she experienced for him all the time. She did agree that the overwhelming sense of longing for him was a huge factor for her even though she was married to someone else. I told her that this was not the only lifetime, but it was the seed lifetime, the one that planted the seed of that longing, which had continued through every lifetime she'd ever had with Mac. This caused her sense of not being able to live without him. Had he stayed, I saw after the reading, he would have died and left the group without any leaders. He was one of the major leaders of his group. The group all would have been killed, and these were all the young, strong men of the tribe. The tribe would not have survived without them, so the choice was either him, Sally, but him uh, Sally as a male, or the whole tribe. The other thing Sally said was that she had felt this enormous wave of relief sweep over her at the point when I told her that that while fishing the boat had overturned, bumped her on the head, and the boy died. She asked if that relief. Um, was due to uh, the fact that something horrible was about to happen in her village. And I replied that, yes, it would be my guess that it was the soul's relief she was feeling, knowing that she would not have to experience that impending hell. as we discussed this, I was able to see that the horrible thing was an invading army which came into the village and were going to capture this little boy and torture him and others. They would torture him mostly as his family had money, which is why he had the luxury of being out fishing for for pleasure at the age of 11 or so. They would pick him especially to torture, thinking this family had hidden money that they would produce to stop his suffering. They had none hidden, so the suffering would have been prolonged and great. What they were going to do finally, after months of torture, was mutilation followed by suffocation. This was a common thing for the more barbaric armies to do back in those days. The thoughts that would have gone through the boy's head in the minutes before death would have been too horrific as well. Judging that this would have been too traumatic for this particular child and no lessons would be learned, the soul chose the fishing accident as a safety net for the soul. So that is the reason that when Sally heard me tell her about the accident, she was surprised to feel relief. But upon hearing that it was because of impending torture, the relief made perfect sense. Months later, I spoke with her, and Sally volunteered that her longing for Mac had dissipated. She seldom thought about him anymore. This was a major and significant relief for her. She was noticing that she did not worry about horrible things happening suddenly to family, family members, not that she was careless, just that she did not have this nervous undercurrent inside her all the time. Overall, she felt more relaxed. She noted that since she found out that she was hit on the head in the childhood in Italy, she had fewer headaches when out in the sun. Before that, the glare of the sun on shiny surfaces, like water, had given her a powerful headache on the left side of her head. Sally said that the reading of past lives from the Akashic records had healed her in many ways, some of them quite unexpected. And so that is a one past life reading for one person. And so you can see clearly that the benefits of getting a past life reading can be not only emotionally healing or help you understand relationships or help you understand um, recurring patterns in your life because the patterns show up in order to heal past karmic incidents, but they can also relieve physical issues such as her headaches in the sunlight. Okay. Let's see. Next one I'm going to read you is a chapter that talks about when, where, and how I do these past life readings. After I'd done my very first past life reading for someone who was actually on my table named Bruce, he was there on my healing table for a Reiki session. I started on my path of doing past life readings from the Akashic Records. This is still one of the more important tools in my shamanic healing bag. Healing the soul has many facets. One facet is that in order to heal the soul, the ego needs to become aware of who the soul is as much as possible. In other words, I do the readings in part so that people can get to know themselves better. That includes getting in touch with forgotten aspects of themselves, including their hidden talents and abilities, and heroic deeds in the past. I also do them so people can consciously remember that they have certain tendencies to make the same mistakes repeatedly, thereby allowing them the opportunity to make different decisions in the present life. In this way, they can avoid making those same mistakes if they so choose. Another reason is so that the client can learn more about misunderstandings they had in the past, know more details about some of the events or situations they misunderstood, see the past from a different vantage point, that of being in a new body or personality, and have the opportunity to draw different conclusions about past events. Further, I do these readings so my clients can understand their relationships over many many lifetimes with certain other people or souls. Sometimes when they get this larger picture, they make different decisions about their lives and relationships, or perhaps they finally appreciate the other person or soul. Enhanced past life knowledge can help us develop both compassion and affection for others. Past life readings also give us the opportunity to balance karma consciously. It is not always easy, but the person who steps up to this challenge is profoundly rewarded. Due to the intensely personal nature of these readings, I never do them to entertain anyone or to prove anything to anyone, like how psychic I am or that this phenomenon is real. This is a very important ethical consideration. Before I do the reading, I speak with the client for a while and make certain that they know this is not entertainment or a parlor trick. I am told the day might come when I will need to do a reading in a class as a demonstration with safeguards and permissions in place. But unless I'm guided to do so for some reason, which I cannot imagine at this point in time, I would not do this at a party nor in front of a third person, except in very rare cases, and only if that were in the best interest of the client. Everyone has the right to privacy in a situation like this, and normally if a third party insisted upon being there, I would refuse to do the reading until they left. If the client wants to share the information I give them, they can choose to do that. Often they do not actually want the third party present, but will not admit that they do not until that person has left the room. I have realized that it is part of my job to protect the client in this way. To create a safe atmosphere in which to perform such a sacred act as reading from the Akashic Records. And yes, I do regard these readings as a sacred form of spiritual work which has the capacity for profound healing depending upon how the client receives the information. I know it is very important for me to be neutral about what I see, to report it without getting emotional, and to soften the impact of any horrific situations I might see. It is not for me to judge anyone, neither the client nor anyone else. It is sometimes my job to warn someone when the guardians of the records ask me to do that. Primarily, I am there to help the client understand the past. However, I trust that I will be shown what the client most needs to see, regardless of what they have asked to see or learn about. Their higher self and guides, in concert with the guardians of the Akashic records, will make sure of that. I give the client the chance to ask questions at the end of each lifetime I'm reporting, but not during the reporting. It's too hard to shift gears between doing the reading and answering questions as different states of consciousness are used for the two. I ask the client to keep their eyes closed during the reading if I'm doing it in person because for some reason if their eyes are open, it's like having the lights on in a movie theater. I cannot see the past life very well. And not all these readings are done in person. Many are done at a distance. When I am finished reading all the lifetimes, I talk to the person some more to help them begin to process what they just heard. Sometimes the healing they experience is instantaneous, but it is also possible that it will take up to a few months to fully assimilate the past lives. The client may have more memories, surface in dreams, or even in the waking state related to those past lives. Personally, once I had small bits of a past life come up in a reading done for me by a woman who was channeling Moses. The next morning, I awoke having seen detailed visions of the entire last two years of that lifetime. It explained a lot, including myriad tiny details relating to certain puzzling actions uh, one of my own children had performed when he was very, very small. Dozens of small, seemingly unrelated events fell into place, and I got the full picture. It all made sense at last. (coughs) Assimilation of these past lives will have to do with acceptance, understanding the past events, learning the lessons, and not being affected by the past life any longer. In other words, if a fear of drowning came from a particular past life, the client would cease to be afraid of the water or of drowning once all the past lives necessary to hear about on this topic were assimilated. Once that happens, the client will not get emotional talking about the past life nor while thinking about it. I allow the client to email me up to a couple of days after the session with more questions. After that, I ask them to listen to the recording again, as I will have probably forgotten most of what I had seen. If the client wants further counseling or has ongoing questions about the session, he or she can schedule another appointment with me to discuss their questions. This seldom happens, though. There are also those rare clients who will test the past life therapist by seeing if the past life they already know about will come up. And sometimes these do actually, but usually not. Why do they not? Usually they will not come up again because the client already knows about that lifetime. In fact, it may have been previously assimilated and no longer an issue for the soul. Remember, these readings are not done to prove anything to anyone. The client's higher self and guides will be so excited about the client's getting this kind of reading that they take the current opportunity to tell the client about more of their lifetimes in order that the client can maximize the experience of past life therapy. After all, it is not often that one comes through a Cajic Records reading. In my opinion and experience, the only way that anything will be proven to the client is when a past Um, experience surfaces in the reading which explains something to them about themselves about which the reader did not previously know and the past life therapist is not in control of that it happens all by itself and it happens it seems to me only when we are doing the reading with the pure clear spiritual intent of helping the client heal himself to ready myself to do any reading I always acknowledge the creator source, my higher self and guides my I am presence and those of the client. Then I silently pray the following, Creator, Source, Matrix, please assist me in putting my own personal judgments, issues, and restrictions out of the way, and do the best reading I possibly can for the highest good of all concerned. Thank you. Amen. And then I proceed with the session, using the symbols given to me to open the individual's portal to the Akashic Records. So, I'm noticing we've got somebody with their hand up. One of the callers wants to be called on. So, let's see what this is about. Hello, caller from 214. Do you have a question? Yeah. It's regarding the past life, right? I just wonder about my past life with my husband, Marty. Well, I'm not planning on doing past life readings on the show. Okay, if you want um, a past life reading, you can go to the website, hotpinklotus.com, and we can okay. set up a past life reading. Okay? okay. Good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty much impossible to do a reading um, like this. It requires such a deep trance state. That it's just about impossible to do it while you're also running the computer and the switchboard and all that stuff. So... <clears throat> To summarize, again, if you need a past life reading, you can go to my website, hotpinklotus.com and it would be real easy to figure out how to do that. I can do them at a distance. I've done quite a few at a distance for people. And email you the reading, um, an audio recording of the reading in an email, and that's about a third of the readings in the book are like that, distance readings. And um, again, my reason for doing these readings is to help people heal. It's not to, um, to do anything else except help people heal. Because the more we're aware of who we are on every level, um, the more whole we are. And we don't have the repressed memories that are affecting us. And this is true in psychology. They know that if you remember things from childhood that you repressed, that it will heal certain things just by knowing about it. And that is also what happens in a past life reading. You find out things that you've forgotten. And so why do we forget these things? Well, because most people, if they could remember all their past lives, would be running around trying to get even with people the whole time they're in this lifetime, and then they would have wasted this lifetime. Perhaps not most people, but a lot of people. So we have things we need to balance the karma without knowing what it's about. And if you are guided to get a past life reading, if you feel like you want one, there's usually a reason that your higher self and guides want you to do that, and it is for your best interest. And if it's not, you won't even be uh, interested in doing it. So... The name of this book is Akashic Records, Case Studies of Past Lives, and it should be available ooh, within the next month anyway on lulu.com. And if you're just dying to get it, you can get an email version of it if you go to that website, hotpinklotus.com. And um, with that, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to have some music playing for the rest of the time, and thank you for listening.
0: Thank you.